Yeah, it's quite a video, isn't it? That, um, if you don't know, is a um, video we've, um, our create team have made recently. Um, and it's to show um, just some of what happens at YCC through the week. Um, and I think it's quite easy sometimes to come here on a Sunday, and if this is the, kind of your main point, and you know you work through the week, busy through the week, whatever. Actually, it's quite easy, I think, to miss all the stuff that goes on through the week. And we, you know, one of the things that um, when I'm out and about around the country and doing different things, one of the things I talk about is that Sundays are quietest day at YCC, which is quite a thing for a church to be able to say. Um, but there's far more people, there's far more stuff going on through the week, whether it's a, um, whether it's a job club and the food bank happens here and the, um, the coffee shop and pop-ins and um, all sorts of different groups and the families work and the homeless stuff. And, um, and we've had you know, really exciting developments on a lot of that stuff. You know, I think sometimes we don't understand everything um, that goes on. And when we're giving, we're participating in that. Um, when we're giving to the work of YCC, when we're giving to what this is, it's not just giving to facilitate a Sunday morning. We're giving into this incredible amount of work um, that is happening through the week, this incredible space that is created. And there's some really interesting developments on a lot of that stuff. Because um, I... Rachel and I were in conversations this week. We have been um, for a little bit because actually um, a while ago, Rachel was involved in writing um, a report for the um, Centre for Social Justice um, around family hubs and community hubs. And this is now, it's been developed into this government policy where they want community hubs and family hubs to be at the centre of the community. And the gateway, Yeovil Community Church, is listed in this government report as the sort of model that they want to see happening all over the country, which is really exciting. I don't know how much you're all aware of that, that actually what we do here, because what we do here is quite different. <laughs> what we do here is quite different in that we create space, and we don't just I mean, and the, it's not when I say just, just is probably the wrong word, but it's not just about food banks and um, job clubs and um, whatever else it might be. It, Statutory services are delivered here as well. The police use this as a, as a base to meet with people. It's a contact centre used by social services for families who need to have supervised contact because <laughs> children have been removed or whatever it might be. And this is a contact centre. This is a place where if you want to give blood, then this is the place where you'll do that. We, the family's work that we deliver um, is increasingly pretty much the family's work that happens in South Somerset. This is pretty much it now. Um, and, but that is, that is funded by our county council and district council and uh, housing associations and all sorts of different people. And this is statutory, this is work that is done that is getting a reputation all over the country. We're now being approached, I mean, we have been approached by churches for a while saying, can you help us to do something similar to what you're doing? Can you help us around the family stuff or whatever? What's fascinating now is we're being approached by councils who are saying, can you get the churches in our area to do what you're doing? So councils are coming. So as we did a thing at Westminster a little while ago, um, 
talking about, you know, there might be something in this. We're working with another organization in Dagenham, a church that does something similar to this. And we kind of go, we feel like there's some learning to do here. Maybe we can learn and, and do something different. And maybe, how replicable is this? How, what, how easy is this to make other churches, enable other churches to do this sort of thing, to create this sort of space where the whole community are engaged and integrated and participating and joining in and, and it's a safe space for the whole community. And um, we're at this thing at Westminster and we just kind of went, look, we've got this idea and we just wonder if there's something in it and we just might, might run, a, run a pilot. And, and five councils came to us afterwards going, we want to be part of that. So now we're trying to connect with some churches in those areas and see if there's something in that. And then this um, huge research organization um, got on board and say, we're fascinated by this. So this is the, I mean, these guys are big hitters. They do huge stuff. Like one of the directors of the company was the old deputy director for the big lottery fund. And I mean, they, they're, well, these are well-connected people. And they're going, what you're doing is fascinating. And we want to learn from what you're doing and we want to help you replicate this all over the place. What we do here, I think, is a model of transformation that can not just impact Yeovil, but can actually impact this whole country. When we give, we participate in that. Out of the families' work that we do, that you might know that we and then we started running a night shelter a little bit a couple of year and a half ago, and and then Miles got involved in that, and um, and then we didn't run the night shelter last year because the council wanted to go a bit of a different track, which was fine. And Miles went, well, can I just get out there and get involved? And you know, we were like, well, you're volunteering, great, of course you can. Like, well, but we'll try and do it with you. And he got out there and he's got volunteering. He started getting embedded in the community, the that homeless community and understanding what some of the issues are and finding real solutions. And then we started getting different agencies coming to us going, I have no idea what he's doing, but the transformation in some of these people is outrageous. And then I was sat in a meeting with various councils, like various different agencies, and they're kind of going, oh, they're talking about a particular person, going, we really need to get this person to church. I'm kind of going, sorry, what did you? They go, well, absolutely. When, the people, when people come to your place, they changed. They come out different. They're transformed. This is the local agencies who kind of coming up with strategies going, maybe we should get people to your church more often. This is really exciting stuff. And Miles has been pursuing that and on a voluntary basis. And then we've gone and managed to go and get funding. And we got that confirmed recently. And then we've done a whole interview. And Miles got appointed, Miles got appointed last week um, to a role as our field worker in the homeless community. <laughs> And we've managed to source £100,000 funding to, to fund him to do that work for three years as part of our Yeovil Families project. But again, it's innovation. It's stuff that's making a real difference. There is a lot going on here. And when we give, when we volunteer, we participate. And this morning, I'm talking about giving as an act of belonging and participation. So you can see that. I can't see that, but that's all right. Um, so giving as an act of belonging and participation, because, you know, there's so much that goes on here. And, you know, as a church, I keep saying we are a courageous church. We are a generous church. The volunteering levels in this church are amazing. And when we volunteer, we participate. When we give, we participate. And we make a real difference, and this is a witness. I don't know if you remember, I was reading from 2 Corinthians a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, and I was saying, you know, Paul's talking about, and when you do this, the blessing you are, they talk about you across Jerusalem. 
And, and I was saying it's a little bit like that here. You know, when we give and when we do the things that we do, when we participate in the ways that we participate, and when we volunteer in the ways we volunteer, it's not just stuff that goes on. It's not even just the people that use it. The, whether it's the agencies or the, or the people in our community, they talk about it. We have a reputation in this town. We have a reputation in this community, which to be the people who are going to be there when nobody else is there. The place where you can go when you've got nowhere else to go. This is who we're called to be. And as a church, we give. But belonging, giving us belonging, let's start there. We'll, we'll try and skip through this. And I just need to give you a little warning today. Like I am normally, as you will know if you're used to listening to me, um, I kind of maybe paint big ideas and then invite people to draw their own conclusions and what does that mean for you and how does that apply to you and whatever. I kind of paint big pictures and I tend to not be very direct. But I tend to be quite challenging but not very direct. And not, you know, we don't draw lots of hard lines of what you must do and what you mustn't do. And, and I like to be, you know, expansive and whatever. But it feels actually this morning is a talk that is sitting a little heavy, like a little, um, not, you know, oh my goodness, now we're all going to, got this very difficult message for you all, but actually, God is doing something. God is doing something, and God has stuff to say to us, and I hope, you bear with me, and I hope I am able to do an average task at getting it out. Um, so bear with me, but giving us belonging, Giving us belonging. There's a couple of things I want to say about this. I've already said we're a generous church. And people don't just give to YCC, people give to all sorts of stuff. I don't know what each of you give because it's not my business. I don't get involved. I've no, I never look at who's giving what and that's not my, I don't want to know. It doesn't help me to know. That's, um, but I do have conversations with people sometimes. And I have had conversations in the past, over the past few years, with people where they've kind of gone, oh, you know, well, I, I mean, I give to all these other things. I don't really give to YCC because, you know, I think YCC is fine and there's all these other things that really need my resources. And I'm like, oh. I mean, yeah, good. I mean, good rationale, I guess, in some ways. But it leaves me uneasy. Then I chat to some other people who go, well, I used to give to YCC, but then this decision was made and I didn't really agree with it, so I don't give now. That really doesn't seem easy because that's about power, isn't it, and control, and that's not giving, that's sponsorship. That's a different thing altogether. There's a heart issue in that. And it strikes me, generosity is good, and we should be giving to all, I have no issue with people giving to all sorts of different things, but it starts here. And that might be an unusually direct thing for me to say, but it starts here. There's a saying that if you want to know, if you want to know what a church stands for, look at what it, look at its accounts. And we've made this decision a while ago that we will, at least 50% of what we have will go outwards, because that's a statement. We're here to be a blessing. We're here for the community. And now, I mean, it might go into salaries of people who are doing stuff out there, whether that be you know Miles or others, or it might be, might be all sorts of things. But we want to, we we don't want to be a church that just funds itself to meet and to gather and to worship and to whatever and it's all kind of inward. We want to be a church where we're blessing and we're pouring out. 
that's the sort of church we want to be in. If you look at our accounts, that's what you'll see. Because where your money is, that's where your heart is. And I think when it comes to church, if this is, you know, and church isn't always easy, but I would hope that for at least most of us, we're here because this is where we're convinced God has called us to be, where God wants us to be. We're not here because it's the most entertaining or it has the best worship or we're here because this is where we feel God wants us to be. Doesn't mean it's always easy. Doesn't mean it's always comfortable. But that's why we're here. And so we belong here. We put our roots here. We participate here. And so for me, our giving starts here. And yes, we should give above and beyond, outward and to other stuff and whatever, but it starts here because where our money is, that's where our heart is. And if we want to make a declaration that we belong here, that we're part of this, that we're participants in this, that this vision and mission that we talk about is our vision and mission, and that's what we, that's what we do. The other thing that I want to say is that we do this together, not as individuals. And I think we see giving as a very individual thing, very private thing. Like I said, I don't go looking at what different people give because I don't think that's a helpful thing for me to do. I have no idea whether you give or not or how much or what, I have no, no clue. But, and so there is an aspect where it kind of feels quite private, but we give together. We participate, we do this together. We serve our community together. We worship together. We fulfill our mission together. And you're going to hear, I'm going to give you a little sneak preview now. Um, but you will hear um, in the coming months, we're working around this sort of how do we talk about our vision and our values and our, and our mission. And um, you might know that you know, our dimensions are our values, and that's you know, that we're part of a bigger story, that we're um, connected, and we seek to be reconnected in every way that we can, so the world around us can be reconnected, restored, and renewed in every way it can. And this is the kingdom of God, that we, um, we want to be relational, because the way of Jesus can't live in isolation, so we do this together, and we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus serving our community, and that we invite people into this journey of transformation with us, and we, everything we do and say and create and is an expression of who God is. And these are our dimensions, and these are our values, and there's six of them. And you might know about our vision statements, that we want Jesus to be worshipped and known, and um, that we want to see the tide of family breakdown turn, we want to be a resource to the wider church, and we want to see new communities of disciples established, and we want to see justice in all its forms, and we want to challenge the cause of injustice, and we want to meet people in their point of injustice, and we want to live lives of justice, and this is, these are our this is our vision, and there's five of them. And then we've been kind of playing around with, for a little while with this idea around mission statement and this idea of up, in, and out. And I've had this idea for a while about, you know, this sort of invitation to hear me using the language quite a lot about join in. Everybody gets to join in. And so we have this idea about joining in, and everyone gets to join in to be part of this. And when we join in, we participate, and we dive in, and we're wholehearted about it. But as well as joining in, we get to face up, that we're looking at Jesus, that we're always eyes fixed on Jesus, that that's what, who we are as a community. And in our facing upwards to Jesus, we also get to face up to our issues, to our brokenness, to the challenges that are within us, to our story. And as we join in and learn to face up, we then get to live it out 
into our community, that it doesn't stop here. We're not the end game of our salvation. But we live this out in the community. So join in, face up, live out. So there's three of those, which falls nicely into 365, which means we're a 365 church. And you've been hearing that we, this is an everyday church. Sundays are our quietest day. Like, this, is, this is a church where we're living out this kingdom. We're living out these values. And not just about what happens here in the gateway, but in our lives, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our colleges, in our families, wherever we are. Our faith isn't just something that we practice on a Sunday. It's something we practice every day. And so we're kind of trying to frame the language and find the language that's not finalized yet and working on it and just through this sort of together to give you a bit of a sneak preview. But this is the sort of church that we are when we join in and when we participate. This is what it's about. Which brings me to giving as participation. By the way, does that, does that 365, does that help? Is that, is that, does that excite people? Is that a yeah, I like that. We're a 365 church. That, like, this is our three. This is our everyday sort of things. That I'm getting a few nods. I'm getting lots of. Hmm, let's see. Uh, I'm, you know. Anyway, come back to me. Come back to me. Give me. Give, give us some feedback on that. We'd love that. But giving as participation. Okay. To do this, I want to talk about the story of the feeding of the five thousand. The boy with the five loaves and two fish. Because this is a really critical story. Um, and for those of you, you might not be very familiar with this story at all, but there's a story in the Bible, and Jesus is out and about doing his ministry, and then he, and he tries to get some space out on his own, so he kind of leaves the crowds behind, and he crosses the lake, and tries to get to the other side so he can get some time in solitude, but the crowd are way ahead of him, and they know where he's going, so they rush around the lake, and, and they get there first, which question, makes you question why Jesus took the boat, but anyway, and they get there first, and then they, and so they're all there, and then there's like 5,000 of them, so Jesus goes, fine, okay, we'll do some more teaching. It's like any given Sunday. You know when I stop and you're going, no, Adam, wherever you go, we're going to be there because we want to hear some more. It was like that. I mean, it's just like a regular Sunday. And so, you know, you're rocking up at my house in the afternoon going, Adam, we've not heard enough. Please tell us some more. That, it's that, basically. So, very familiar to you all. And so... They all they're going, tell us some more, Jesus. And then so they're telling us some more. And then there's like there's this crowd of people, and Jesus is going, Oh my goodness, these people have been with us all day and they've not eaten. And what are we gonna do? And he turns to his disciples, and his disciples are going, they look at all the practical solutions. They have like they have a business meeting. They go, okay, so what are, what are the resources we've got? Nothing. Have we got any money? Have we got any food? No, we've got nothing. Okay, Jesus, we've had our meeting. And uh, we've concluded that it's not possible. Um, we're in a bit of a mess. He goes, well, you've got really nothing. He goes, well, I mean, no, no, there's, I mean there's, this, there's this boy, insignificant, because children are insignificant in that culture, that boy, insignificant boy who's got five little rolls and a couple of fish. But, I mean, it's 5,000. I mean, I mean that's, that's ridiculous, right? I mean, that's nothing. She's like, yeah, okay, yeah, bring it. And this boy gives it all. It would appear this boy is the only one of 5,000 who's thought ahead. It would appear that this boy is the only one whose mother, and he's, even when his mother was probably saying, he's going, oh, leave me alone, mum, shut up. He's going, no, no, take your packed lunch with you. You're never going to know where you might need it. He's like, oh, mum, stop pestering. But right now he's feeling pretty smug, right? He's going, ah, all these starving people, look at me. I've got five loads, two fish. I'm sorted. 
And then this kind of call goes out. And he's given this invitation to not just be a spectator of what Jesus is doing, but to be a participant in what Jesus is doing. Now, he doesn't do what we would do. He doesn't go, huh, okay, five loaves, two fish. I suppose I could survive on three, maybe two rolls and a fish. I could just have a fish sandwich and uh, I could give give out my excess because my mum has overpacked. Because they always do, don't they? I could give out my excess, but he doesn't do that. That's what we do, right? I suppose I could spare a couple of loaves and a fish. He doesn't do that. He gives it all. All of it. Now, what this means is he's given everything, which now he is in need of the same miracle that the other 4,999 are in need of. In fact, it's 5,000 plus because children didn't even count in that 5,000. So he's not even really one of the 5,000. He has given to a point where he now needs Jesus to do a miracle the same way everyone else does. He's not made sure he's sorted and then given his excess. He now needs the same miracle. He needs God to show up. That's the first thing. What does that look like for us? Do we give out of our excess? Do we give what we can afford? Whether that be financial or time or whatever. Do we give what we can manage? Or or do we give obediently to whatever it is that God's asking us to give? And I don't know whether you've ever been in a situation where God's asked you to give something way more than you can afford. If you haven't, you're not listening. And I'm not just about finance. I'm not just talking about finance. I'm talking about whatever it might be. There might be some forgiveness that you need to give up. You just cannot forgive this person. And God's going, I need you to let that go. I need you to give me all of that. It might be volunteering. It might be time. It might be your home. It might be whatever it might be. But this boy's given everything, and now he needs a miracle. But the second thing about this is, what this boy has given is entirely insufficient. It's entirely insufficient to feed the 5,000. I mean, he would have quite rightly sat there and gone, well, what's the point? What's the point? Because to me, this is of immense value. But to the 5,000, this is insignificant. I don't know if you ever feel like that when it comes to giving. You kind of go, oh my goodness, this, this costs me so much to give this. And actually, in the scheme of things, look, we're a wealthy church and we have all this stuff and Actually, it just seems, what I'm giving just seems insignificant in the scheme of everything, but to me, it's of immense value. I really need this. Ever rationalize it that way? Just can't give at the moment. Because the value to me is greater than my perceived value to what I'm giving to. It feels entirely insufficient. They need God to do a miracle. They need God to show up in a ridiculous way, and that's what Jesus does. He takes these five loaves and two fishes, and then he feeds the entire 5,000 people plus with this small amount of food. God shows up with an abundance because the boy gave everything. The boy put himself in need of the same miracle. He didn't sponsor the miracle. He participated in the miracle. 
This is what giving as participation is like. I want to tell you a couple of stories. So, first story. This is, when I was a young boy, eight, nine years old, something like that, um, my dad was a church minister. We never went on holidays, except sometimes my dad would be going off speaking somewhere, and we'd all get to go along. Which might sound really exciting when you're going to places like America, because this one year we went to America, and you go, oh my goodness, you went on a holiday to America. I go, no, I went to America and sat in rooms listening to my dad talk. That's what, and that was my holiday. That's not a holiday. That is not. Anyway, I'm over it. I had therapy, dealt with it. But um, we knew we were in America quite a long time in advance. It was very exciting. It was my first time ever in America, and so I saved up. In my little piggy bank, I saved up, and I saved up, and I saved up for months. And I managed to save the incredible amount back then of 16 pounds. which was about $25, and I was very excited. So I gave it to my parents for safekeeping as we went across to America, and then we got over there, and, and then there was like, oh, can I, I think I needed something, or what, I didn't need, didn't need I wanted some sweets, you know, to break up the monotony of my dad's talks, and I was like, oh, I need some sweets or something, I want some candy, American candy, I've never tasted American candy, it must be amazing, it's not, um, but anyway, I was like, okay, this must be incredible, <coughs> needed something, and my dad said, yeah, you know, son, actually, this is a really expensive holiday, so we need that 16 pounds to pay for it. So we will buy you some sweets and stuff, but um, you know, don't think that you can just spend that 16 pounds on whatever you want. I dealt with that, that wasn't a problem for me, but I did sit and cry for quite a few hours, and then I just felt like I'd been cheated, and I felt like I'd been robbed, because to me that was everything, and to my parents it felt like it wasn't a big thing to them at all, but they just needed it. And I don't know sometimes if we feel like that's a bit like what God liked. Like He asking us to give stuff that for us is really important and really special. It really means a lot, or we really need it, or we've put a lot of work into getting it, or some, you know, and I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about careers, or I'm talking about homes, or I'm talking about whatever it might be that God's going, time, it's time to quit your job. It's time to give that nest egg away. I don't want you relying on that, I want you relying on me, or whatever it might be that we have got a lot invested in. We feel like God's this mean parent who kind of goes, yeah, no, I'm having that. It can build like a resentment. Sort of resentment that can carry on for maybe 30, 40 years, I don't know. Like it's the sort of thing that can go with you. Yeah, it's about 40 years now. So um, it's the sort of thing that can go with you. It's the sort of thing that, you know, do we feel that resentment towards God sometimes? Like you told me to give that up. I needed that. And this hasn't panned out the way that I thought this was going to pan out. The next story I want to tell you is our story of moving down here. So I yeah, had a pretty good job and we were living in Manchester. We had this beautiful cottage on the side of this beautiful hill overlooking this beautiful valley with this lovely town and the steam railway and the river running through the valley, and we were just a mile from a motorway junction. Dream about that, people. We were a mile from a motorway junction, and we could get anywhere. And we lived in this great place, and we had this beautiful 1775 cottage with this stunning view. 
And I had a job that I was traveling all around the country. I was you know, kind of a specialist project manager for a national retailer. And God goes, right, I want you to give you up your job. I want you to go down to Yeovil. I want you to be a youth leader. <laughs> okay, well, we're just about to have our fourth child. And I don't know, but from what I understand, youth leaders don't get paid a lot of money. And um, so we had to move down here. That's what God told us to do. He said, move down there, take up this role. I think it was more than 50% cut in our salary. And houses down here are more expensive than they were up there. I remember having a conversation when we came, we came down here. We had to sort out a house. And Colin and Margaret Gibbs are amazing. And they gave us their house for three months to live in. They moved out. They gave us their house for three months to live in because this family were coming down and we didn't have time to sort a house out or whatever. Sometimes when we take big steps of faith, sometimes when we take huge sacrifices, sometimes when we go, okay, God, I'm in, other people do incredible things too. I mean, that is an incredible act of generosity, isn't it? Oh, we've got a house that'll fit you all in. Have it for three months until you sort your own house out. That's incredible. So we got to live there whilst we looked for a house, and then we're looking for a house, but we're driving around and we're going, oh my goodness, I don't think we can afford any of these houses. And we, um, we're looking at this, so Rachel and I are kind of praying together, and then we feel like God gives us this, these pictures, different, entirely different pictures, that so didn't make any sense to us, but we're going, God's going, I'm going to sort this, and you're going to have this house, and whatever. And then, and then there was this amazing couple in the church who came to us, and they had this gorgeous house, and they were selling it, and it was like five bedrooms, detached, stunning beautiful part of the town and, and they kind of came to us and went you know if, God, if this is the house God's got for you and you're supposed to have it then just pay what you can afford and we'll figure it out and we were like so, sorry what you do, you do what I mean that's putting yourself in need of the same miracle right that's putting yourself in need of the same miracle and we prayed about it and somewhat frustratingly God went no that's not the house for you And we went, really? You sure? Maybe we could pray again. We can ask. The guy was like, no, that's not the house for you. We went, oh. So we went back to him and went, that is an amazing, generous offer, but God says that's not the house for us. We need to keep looking. So we kept looking, and then this house came up, and it was quite expensive. Um, and I remember having a conversation, um, and then we had an anonymous gift of significant amount of money, and then our church back home that we'd moved from sent a gift, of a fairly significant amount of money. I remember having a conversation with the bank manager. We went in, and the bank manager said, so, just to clarify, you are wanting to double your mortgage. We're like, yeah. And he went, but you've halved your income. <laughs> like, yeah. And she went, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me as a mortgage advisor. I went, yeah, look, you say that. I said, and I totally get what you mean. I said, but all I can tell you is when we moved down here, we had debts of this much, and now, we've got this many tens of thousands sitting in our bank account, and I can't even explain it. So when God says to do something, you just do it, and he'll, like, I don't even know how this stuff works. And this mortgage advisor is going, okay. Um, I mean, I can, you're right, it doesn't make any sense, but I think you guys are going to be just fine. We'll go with it. And we went with it, and we're kind of going, how on earth has this worked? And then, anyway, 
What I'm telling you that about is because sometimes God asks you to put yourself in need of a miracle. And we can have our nest eggs set aside, and we can have our investment accounts, and we can have our careers sorted, and we can have our whatever it might be. But when God says, it's time to give up that job, and I believe there are, I believe there are people in this church now who God is asking you to make huge steps. Huge steps. And... And maybe we've rationalized it and gone, oh, well, okay, maybe I'll give 10% of that. And guys go, no, I'll give it all. Maybe I'll go part-time instead of full-time. And guys go, no, no, You know what I've asked you to do? And this isn't just for individuals. This is for us as a church, too. There have been prophetic words flowing in recently. Prophetic words about, and I know I'm running over, bear with me, um, but prophetic words about... God wanting to see hundreds and thousands come to faith in this town. Prophetic words about healings breaking out in ways that we've not seen. And look, we see people coming to faith. And we see healings. Miles was telling me the other day, this is just for your amusement and encouragement. Miles was telling me the other day, there's been three instances recently of people that he's working with or people in that community where he's engaged with kind of in addiction, and then kind of having this like, oh, that guy, Miles seems to say that when you pray, like, stuff works. So they've prayed off their own bat. They've asked someone to pray with them. They've prayed off their own bat and found themselves entirely free of addiction. And there's this little, there's this little, like, phrase going around. There's this little sort of language going around. People are calling it JTOX because... You're going through detox without all the side effects. And like, people are kind of going, are you on JTOX? Are you praying about this? Are you like, we don't even know what's going on. I can't explain it. I can't rationalize it. I don't know what these people's stories are since I don't, you know, don't, like, I have no idea. But I know that God is wanting to pour some stuff out on this center we've not seen before. And I know that God is wanting to see people come to faith on the level that we've not seen before. And these prophetic words are coming in. And you might think that just witnessing to your neighbor is like the boy giving a couple of loaves or five loaves and two fishes to a group of people that need feeding for 5,000. But actually, that one might be the one. And then we just ask Jesus to show up. And you might be going, oh, but it's nothing. My name, just me witnessing to my neighbor or inviting my neighbor on church, that's nothing. It's entirely inadequate. And God's just going, just... Step out with me in faith and in courage. And you might be going, oh, but me mustering up the courage to pray for someone for healing. I mean, it's irrelevant in the bigger scheme of things. God, God wants to heal. God can heal on his own. True. But God invites us to participate with him. God wants us to join in with him. God wants to do it with us. And that you taking the courage to step out and pray for that one person. Do it and then just see what God does. And there's, these, there's this language, there's these pictures coming of God wants to do this incredible thing. We just need to dive in. And that then links with another picture that was brought a couple of weeks ago um, of this sort of gold web that is over the building. And when we look at it, it kind of reflects back and it kind of tells us that we've got enough, that we're wealthy, and we kind of maybe keep looking at it. And maybe when I'm stood up here and kind of going, look, people, we need to talk about giving, and the the whole cynicism might be kicking in going, oh, come on. You guys, you're fine. 
Look at this place. You don't really need any money. Come on, you don't really need it. And when we talk about giving, we're not talking about giving because we've got a huge hole in our bank accounts. Talk about giving as an act of liberation. Talk about giving as an act of discipleship and obedience. We're talking about giving as an act of participation and belonging. We're talking about giving because it saves us. And we're talking about giving because whilst this might all feel very self-sufficient, we are a blessed church. We own this building outright. We are a blessed church. We are a generous church. We have lots of stuff. But that's not the point. Think of this like the five loaves and two fishes. And while we might be going, that's plenty for us, thanks, we're sorted. If the little boy had done that, the 5,000 wouldn't have been fed. And this self-sufficiency that we have, yeah, we're fine, we can survive, we've got enough to take over, we do a lot of work, we already give out, we already volunteer in a lot of ways, we already do a lot of stuff, we're fine, we're self-sufficient, but maybe we fall into the trap of just doing it in our own strength, of being entirely self-sufficient, where are the miracles? And if Jesus is saying he wants to save thousands in this town, if, Jesus, if God is saying that he wants to see hundreds healed, well, that we can't do that on our own. We can't do that however much money we throw at it. We can't do that how much energy and effort and volunteers we throw at it. We need God to do that. If God is saying that we need to increase this space to draw and invite more people in, if God is saying we need to transform how we do Sunday mornings to bring more people in, we can't do that on our own. Yes, we can have planning meetings, we can organize and whatever, but we need God to bring the people. We need God to to do the miracles. We need God to do the 5,000. and sometimes it feels like we get stuck in our self-sufficiency. And this picture that someone had said, it's like this is gold mesh over the building. And it makes us feel like we've got enough. But what's ridiculous is, on the other side of that gold mesh, are God's storehouses, which God is bursting to pour out on us. If we would just step out. And then there was another picture about when we're offering, there's a bin. And we don't just need to give the good stuff. Actually, for some of us, God's asking us to give the broken stuff. And then we kind of go, oh, but what could God ever do with that? I mean, I'm useless, I can't do this, and I can't do that. And there's people much better at that than I am, or I don't really want to let go of that unforgiveness, or pain, or resentment, or whatever it might be. I don't want to give, let go of that pride, or that whatever it might be. This picture was like, people just need to put it in, and let's see what God does with it. We need to break through, we need to push through. We need to step out, not in our own self-sufficiency, not with very measured budgets and plans. We need to step into what God's calling us to, because God wants to unleash his resources on us, but he needs us to give up the five loaves and two fish first. He needs us to put ourselves in need of the same miracle that we want to see happen in the town. See, it's very easy for us to go, yeah, but we're saved. It would be lovely to see more people saved, but it doesn't change me. I'd be lovely to see other people healed, but it doesn't heal me. What does it mean for us to put ourselves in need of the same miracle? To give over and above. And I believe there are people who have been challenged, maybe for a little while, maybe not just this morning, but for a little while, actually to, maybe you've been challenged to give up your job. Maybe you've been challenged to move house or sell your house and give it away or to, Maybe you've got nest eggs or trust funds and God's been going, I don't want you relying on that. 
Oh, and you're lying on me. I don't know what it is. But that step into whatever it is God's calling us to together. Joe, do you want to come up? Sorry, I know we're running a little bit over. But our response this morning is communion. So as we worship, let's come to the table this morning and take communion. But let's come as the boy, the insignificant one who wasn't even counted. Let's come as the boy who didn't give out of what his excess, didn't apply rationale to it, just gave and put himself in need of the same miracle. And that might be that you need to, there's a project, there's something that God's been stirring you to get going and you've been holding back because it's not the right time, and it's not practical and it's not sensible. And God's going, just go and do it. Or giving up job and you've been going, oh yeah, but no, maybe in a year's time, or maybe in 10, God's going, just go and do it. Or giving whatever this amount is and God's going, just go and do it. Are you in? Because my storehouses are bursting. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And whilst what we give might seem insignificant and insufficient, God is entirely sufficient. And when we do it, we invite other people to put themselves in need of the miracle too. We invite other people to take steps of faith too. To do the ridiculous things like giving your home to someone for three months or offering to sell in the house at whatever they can afford, even though it's massively less than it's worth. Putting ourselves in need of the miracle. What does that look like? Why don't we stand? If we could have the service come forward. You might need to have a conversation if you're in a couple or whatever. This might not even be right now. We haven't haven't got the offering balls out the front. The offering's going to go around as it normally does in a little bit. But what is it that God's asking you to bring to this communion table? And it might be messy. And it might be hurting. And it might be broken. And it might be worthless. It might feel quite shameful. It might be an addiction. What is it that God's asking you to bring? And then whenever you're ready, come forward and take communion together because we do this not as individuals, but we do this together. Lord, we invite you to challenge us, to transform us, to stir us out of our self-sufficiency, to stir us out of our contentment and, and like this is enough. And Lord, we... We're going to take you at your word that you want to do something ridiculously outrageous in this town, in this community, and in this area. We're going to take you at your word and we're going to hold you to your word. That you're going to want to see thousands come to faith. That you're going to want to see hundreds of people healed. That you're going to want to see transformation. But Lord, we know that we move first. We know that we step out first. We know that we surrender first. We know that we step in first. We know that we give first. Lord, we want to give as an act of belonging and as an act of participation in your kingdom, in this church where you've called us to be. 
and we want to give thanks to all the amazing things that we're seeing, to the reputation that is going ahead of us, to your reputation that goes ahead of us, to your power and your glory that is being seen in this town and in Parliament and beyond. But Lord, we move first. So let us be like the boy who gives it all. Amen. 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 When you're ready, step up.